This special bonus podcast episode is called, Are There Inconsistencies in the Bible About Jesus, Who is Without Sin, Giving His Life to Save Sinners? And if so, does this disprove that Jesus is the Son of God? There are some who doubt what the Bible says about Jesus because they've heard the Bible has inconsistencies in it, which some call lies. But is that really true? The Bible, this biblical research project is going to analyze the passages in the Bible about Jesus being without sin and his giving his life for sinners to see if there are inconsistencies. And if so, are they even significant? I will use the New King James Version of the Bible, also known as NKJV, and internet resources as necessary. Sometimes a passage will have the word him and he within the same verse. I will put who is speaking and who is being spoken to within brackets if I don't feel it's obvious from the context of the verse. Additionally, I will put my analysis, evaluations, opinions, and comments within brackets and will tip you off to this along the way. So within brackets, some may find it hard to believe that Jesus was without sin. I will examine the Bible passages related specifically to that. I will start with what was foretold of Jesus hundreds of years before his birth to Mary. I will declare the decree, the decree the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. That was in Psalm 2, verse 7. Within brackets, I found that this one on the BibleGateway.com when I searched under the word innocent to look for further predictions related to Jesus. So this one that came from BibleGateway.com was from Psalm 94, verses 20 to 22, which says, Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. But the Lord has been my defense and my God, the rock of my refuge. Now it's back to the ones from my New King James Version of the Bible. The other was New King James Version of the Bible, but I used the internet to find that one verse. But the mercy of the Lord from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. That's from Psalm 103, verse 17. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. That's from Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. That's from Psalm 119, verse 9. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. That's from Psalm 118, verses 21 through 23. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. That's from Isaiah 7, verses 14 through 15. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from the shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. 
therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. That's from Isaiah 50, verses 6 through 7. Isaiah 53, 1 through 12 says, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and his stripes we are. And with his stripes we are healed. As we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, but he put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession of the transgressors. This is from Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12, which is a very, very significant prophecy. Um, I wanted to tell you two other places you can find this research in its entirety. I felt led to create two blogs to post this in its entirety in case you want to read it all or you want to share it with someone else. And you can go to Biblical Proof, and that's at https colon double backslash Biblical Proof, B I B L I C A L P R O O F dot blogspot, B L O G S P O T dot com. And the other place is, do biblical inconsistencies really matter? You can find that at https colon double backslash biblical inconsistencies, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-I-N-C-O-N-S-I-S-T-E-N-C-I-E-S dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Within brackets, I have now I will include the New Testament Bible passages that Jesus was without sin. Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5 says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he, which is Jesus, had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, 
I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he, which is Jesus, uh, not Jesus. Then he, which is Judas, threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Mark 1, 9 through 11 says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, which is the Jordan River. And immediately coming up from the water, he, which is Jesus, saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made himself, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 14, 15, verse 15 says, For we don't have a high priest, which is, they're talking about Jesus Christ, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come bodily, boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. First Peter 1, verses 13 through 21 says, Therefore gird up, thy lo uh, up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you as the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in ignorance, but as he, which is Jesus, who called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I, which is Jesus, am holy. And if you call on the Father who without Partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like gold or silver. They really said silver or gold. I human and I make mistakes sometimes. Please forgive me. From their fathers, but with precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. For you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 25, which says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, which is the cross because it's made of wood, that we, may, 
we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul first john 3 verses 1 through 8 says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of god therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it is has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And and all of those he's are capitalized and the him, and they're all speaking of Jesus. And everyone who has had this hope in him, which is Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that if he which is jesus was manifest to take away our sins and in him there is no sin whoever abides in him does not sin whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him little children let no one deceive you he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he which is jesus is righteous he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And as you know in this, they're talking about once you know Jesus and you believe him and in him and that he gave his life on the cross, died, was buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven, that that belief in Jesus, the ongoing belief in Jesus forgives us for our sins. Doesn't mean we don't ever sin. It means we're forgiven from those sins because we keep believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior and we keep turning to him. I thought that might be confusing to some, so I wanted to clarify. Within brackets, I have, in that I'm doing biblical research about whether Jesus, our Savior, was without sin, it seems significant to find out if he was ever tempted. If so, how did he respond to that temptation? Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry now when the tempter came to him and the tempters satan the devil came to him which is jesus he the devil which is the devil said if you are the son of god command that these stones become bread but he which is jesus answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him, which is Jesus, up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Forgive me, I got a frog in my throat and I had to get a drink of water. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, which is the devil, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him, which is Jesus, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he, which is the devil, said to him, which is Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, which is Jesus, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him, which is Jesus. 
Mark 1, verses 12 through 13 says, Immediately the Spirit drove him, which is Jesus, into the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with a wild beast, and the angels ministered to him, which is Jesus. I want to do an aside right now. This is the example, I think I mentioned it later, about how some of the gospel writers add more detail, and some feel like something's already adequately recorded, so they don't add anything, or they feel like it needs a little bit more detail, so they add that only that part, and, um, you know, and they write within the writing style, some with more detail and some with less, but I thought how uh, the one in Matthew had a lot of detail, and the one in Mark has very little is a good example of that. Okay, Luke 4, 1 through 13 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, which is the Jordan River, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and he is Jesus. Afterward, when they had ended, he, which is Jesus, was hungry, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, which is the devil, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him, which is Jesus, up on a high mountain, showed him, which is Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, which is Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, Worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he, which is the devil, brought him, which is Jesus, to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, which is Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. But it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up. Thus you shall dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him and said to him, which is the devil, what has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he, which is the devil, departed from him, which is Jesus, until an opportune time. Another aside, in that the, the gospel recorded in Luke seems so similar to the gospel in Matthew, that's because it serves as additional proof that these things really did happen, that not just one person recorded it, that two recorded it. Did they use that all the exact same words? No, because it's within writing style. And, and some paraphrase things and put it in their own words, but it basically says the same thing. And that's other uh, further corroboration that's happened. Hebrews 2.18 says, for in that he himself, which is Jesus, had suffered, being tempted, he was able to aid those who are tempted. Hebrews 3.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, which is Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. Within brackets, I have these Bible passages about Jesus, our Savior, being tempted are pretty consistent, even though the Gospel of Mark provides less detail. Again, quite often the differences we see in the Bible have more to do with writing style than anything else. Some of the gospel writers include more detail and some less. This is what I was telling you about, but I wanted to say it right at the time. Some, like the Apostle John, add only if he thinks they're having 
been enough pertinent details already recorded. Although I can't know for sure, I assume that's why he didn't record about Jesus being tempted. From my previous biblical research projects, I've come to find that the Apostle John does this because he feels there are so many significant things that Jesus did, and there may not be enough room to record all of them. This is evident as per this Bible verse in John 21, verse 25, which says, and there are also, are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Also within brackets, it says, now there may be some who think that being the son of God, Jesus, led a charmed life. I will share some of that biblical evidence of this so that you have a small idea of all he put up with for us so that believers might someday have salvation with him in heaven. Some within brackets, it says some might think that being the king of kings, Jesus would live in a castle. Ends up brackets. But Matthew 8, 19 through 20 says, Then a certain scribe came and said to him, which is Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay, within brackets, I have some might think that someone without sin planning to give his life for our salvation, Jesus would be loved by everyone. But unfortunately, Jesus was challenged often in the brackets. Matthew 9, verses 10 through 13 says, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Matthew 22 verses 15 through 22 says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him, which is Jesus, in his talk. So they're plotting. Lots of these things will tell you how they're plotting and plotting against Jesus. Uh, although I don't have all the verses on it, I just want to give you an idea that he had a lot to contend with. And they sent to him their disciples with a Herodian saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of the Lord in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay tax, taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrite? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he, which is Jesus, said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they left him and went their way. Now, within brackets I have, you would think that all people would be grateful to Jesus for healing them. But that wasn't always the case. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19 says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he, which is Jesus, passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he, which is Jesus, entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, 
go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he, which is Jesus, said to him, one, the one who returned to give him thanks. Arise, go your way. Your faith hath made you well. Matthew 12, verses 10 through 15 says, And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, which is Jesus saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. And he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is, therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he which Jesus said to them, to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, which is Jesus, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed them and he healed them all. Within brackets, I have, you would think Jesus' disciples who knew him well would be loyal to him, but that wasn't always the case in the brackets. Luke 22, 1 through 6 says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, which is Jesus. For they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, her name Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains. Now how he might betray him, which is Jesus, to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him, which is Judas, money. So he, which is Judas, promised and sought opportunity to betray him, which is Jesus, to them in the absence of the multitude. Mark 14, verses 66 through 72, tells how Jesus' disciple, Simon Peter, denied him when he was being questioned before he was to give his life for us through crucifixion. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither nor know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. A little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he, which is Peter, began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And speaking of Jesus, and he's saying he doesn't know him. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind what the mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you shall, will deny me three times. And when he, which is Peter, thought about it, he wept. Within brackets, I have this tells about Judas actually betraying Jesus. End of bracket. Mark 14, verses 43 through 46, and immediately while he, which is Jesus, was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, 
Now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he, which is Judas, had come, immediately went up to him, which is Jesus, and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then the soldiers laid their hands on him, which is Jesus, and took him. Within brackets I have, we will see all the ways that the rich and famous are given. We see all the ways that the rich and famous are given special treatment when they are questioned for a crime. That wasn't the case for Jesus as evidenced in John 19 verses 1 through 6, end quote. I mean, end of bracket. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their, their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, That you must know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Within brackets, I looked up in, dic in dictionary.com to see what a scourge exactly was. It said, Scourge, the noun. The whip or lash, especially for the infliction of punishment or torture, a person or thing. Also, a person or thing that applies or administers punishment or severe criticism, criticism, or it's a case of affliction or calamity. The picture they had was gruesome. It shows a handled whip with like, I don't know, 10, 12 straps coming off of it with little like barbs on it or beads or something that would cause pain when it's a person's hit. Anyway, I thought it pertained to what we were talking about, so I looked it up. Okay, Mark 15, 19 through 22 says, Then they struck him, which is Jesus, on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. They compelled a certain man, a Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross, and they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated a place of a skull. Within brackets, I have, you would think that they would be respectful to Jesus, their Savior, who's being hung on the cross to save them from the, their sins. But this wasn't the case. Mark 15, verses, verse 24 says, And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Mark 15, 27 through 39 goes on to say, with him, which is Jesus, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, which is Jesus, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, he saved others himself, he could not save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with, crucified with him reviled him. Within brackets I have, now you see the, see the struggle that he had. Now you that struggle to believe that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God might think that this poor man went through many bad things that happened to him. 
The thing is, Jesus knew all of this. Betrayal, scourging, mocking, hitting, spitting, and crucifixion on a cross would happen, and even predicted it to prepare his disciples ahead of time. Unfortunately, they didn't understand what their Savior was telling them. What is even more significant, regardless of all the horrendous treatment Jesus received, was that he went through his crucifixion anyway, because he knew he needed to atone for our sins, and it was the only way that believers could one day join him in heaven. I think that's pretty significant. Matthew 20, verse 17 through 19 says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and says to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. John 11, verses 25 through 27 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Within brackets, I will have, now we'll examine Bible passages about Jesus saving us from our sins. Matthew 1.21 says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 20, verses 27 through 28 says, when Jesus, when Jesus says, all in red that's why i'm telling you that and whoever desires to be first among you let him be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many matthew 26 verses 26 through 29 says and as they were eating jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. Mark 10 verses 32 through 34 says, Now when they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. Then he, which is Jesus, took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. So you see, not just once he predicted his own death and told them and tried to prepare them. There's lots of verses that are, but I have to stay focused on what I'm doing. Mark 10 verse 45 says, for even, and Jesus is saying this because it's in, in red, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Luke 1 verses 76 through 79 says, and you will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation actually this is they're talking about John the Baptist is to prepare the way of the Lord just so you have background information because I don't like having things out of context that's why I try to give you background information about what's happening okay to give knowledge of salvation to his people by remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God which with which the day spring, which is another name for Jesus, from on high has visited us, 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to give our feet into the way of peace. Luke 9, 18 through 10 says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my good to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. That is after he came to realize, climbs up in the tree and Jesus talks to him and he realizes Jesus is really the Savior and then he's trying to make amends. That's background information. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man was come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 24, 45, verses 45 through 47 says, And he, which is Jesus, opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. John 1, verse 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 3, verses 16 through 17, when Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 6, Verse 40, when Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him on the last day. John 6, verses 47 through 48, when Jesus goes on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. John 60, John 6. Verse 51, when Jesus further says, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. John 6, verse 54, when Jesus says, when he's talking about communion, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. John 8, verses 31 through 36, which says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, which is Jesus, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. John 10, verses 9 through 11, when Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, go, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John 10 verses 14 through 18, when Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. 
then they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. This is an aside. Part of this verse where he has says he has another flock is proof that Salvation isn't only for the Israelites that believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, but it's the rest of the other flock, and there's going to be one big flock, is that um, it's the Gentiles, which is everybody else. And this is proof of that. John 10, 27 through 30 says, when Jesus further says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand i and my father are one john 12 verses 46 through 47 when jesus says i have come as a light unto the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness and if anyone hears my words and does not believe i do not judge him for i did not come to judge the world but to save the world John 14, 1 through 4, when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't, would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verses 19 through 20, when Jesus says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. John 17, verses 1 through 3 says, Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Acts 2, 36-40 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you who be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Acts 3, 14 through 21 says, After Peter healed a lame man in the name of Jesus Christ and says to those amazed, but you deny the Holy One and the just and ask for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, which is another name for Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. 
and his name, through faith in his name, which is Jesus, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You know, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, from heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Acts 3, 25 through 26 says, You are sons of the prophet and the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from their iniquities. Acts 4, Eight, verses 8 through 12 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he had been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has come, become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may be saved. Acts 5, verses 29 through 31 says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree, him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. Acts 10 verses 36 through 43 says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who are and drank with him, after he arose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is as he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead to him Jesus who is Jesus all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins Romans 3 verses 21 through 24 says but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, the grace of Jesus, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God 
sent forth as propitiation, and I looked it up, as an appeasement by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate as the present time, at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 5, verse 6 through 10 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but perhaps for a good man someone might, would even get, dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved for, by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, him, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Romans 5, verses 15 through 21 says, oh, goes on to say, But the free gift is not like the offense, for it, if by the one man's offense many died, and they're talking about, so by Adam's offense, many people die because Sin came into the world, so everybody dies and won't go to heaven unless they believe in Christ. Okay, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So through Christ dying on the cross and being the atonement for all of our sins, all those that believe that he did this have the opportunity to go to heaven to be with him, is what it's saying. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. So they just said the gift that came from somebody who is without sin. So that with my topic. So I wanted to emphasize that. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, Death reigned through the one that's about Adam. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 30 through 31 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 15, verses 1 through 8 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, 
which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is another name for Peter, then by or Simon Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep, which is saying they died. So Paul is saying there's a lot of people who are still alive at the time I'm writing this who witnessed Jesus after he rose from the grave, and they're still alive. But some of them have died, but, but the majority are still alive. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, which is Paul, also by one born out of due time. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3 says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers of the prophets, has in these last times spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he, God the Father, Ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he's speaking of Jesus Christ, his son. Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 18 says, By that we have all been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he, which is Jesus, had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, that's when he gave his, his life for the sins of all men, because all men are able to, to these, this is my personal interjection, all men are able to come to believe in him, so it's for all men, although, you know, not maybe not all men are going to believe in him, but hopefully all men do because it's their salvation at stake. I'm sorry, I, sometimes I try to clarify things because I have passages and, and I don't want it to be out of context. So I'm trying to explain what they're saying. Okay, so this man, after he, which is Jesus, had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till he his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected, for, perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. That means that Jesus Gave his life once for everybody. He doesn't have to give his life over and over again. Just we have to stay focused and keep having faith in him. Titus 2 verses 11 through 14 says, 
For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the present blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Within brackets, I have, after reviewing all this biblical research I had, I find no inconsistencies. Multiple places in the Old Testament are prophesied how Jesus was the Son of God. And the Father, Son of God the Father, would be innocent without sin and would be wondered, wounded for our transgressions and would be chastised and would bear the consequence of our iniquities and bear the sin of many and make intercession for the transgressors. There is overwhelming biblical evidence of this. Within brackets still, this biblical research project has additionally shown that Jesus our Savior has been tempted beyond what a normal man would have to bear, treated poorly by others, but he did not respond in like manner as an example for us. I think this Last Bible passage sums it up. This is from 1 Peter verses 2. No, 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 25, which says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, which is the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So when he was scourged, that was part of healing us from all our sins, our belief in him does. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So... My last comment is follow your Savior. He's the shepherd of all of us, and if we love him, we can go to heaven and join him someday, which is very significant in my opinion. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me in my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.